my husband says that I am too submissive. And he says that I want to know if there is a healthy or an unhealthy line of submissiveness. And, and how can I draw that line, basically, or step up because he feels that I'm a pushover. That's a great question, Kelly. I'm sure it raised some eyebrows and lots of questions and thoughts uh, from those who are listening today. Uh, when is too submissive too submissive? And where does submission fit into a marriage? We're going to talk about having an intentional marriage today, and this will be one of the things we'll discuss. I will say this, um, there's a difference between what the Bible talks about as uh, biblical submission, which is not a doormat, it's not a lack of confidence, it's not second rate or second importance, Uh, it's of equal importance, it's just like any organization, you have uh, lines of authority. And so maybe your husband, and maybe you could talk to him about this, isn't talking so much about being too submissive as maybe having more self-confidence in yourself, confident in who you are in Christ and being able to speak up and, and express yourself. That might be something you want to talk about. Uh, you're welcome to join us today as well. Our comment line is open to you at 888 The callers for the show today are recorded. They're all set to go, but we want to hear from you as well because you add such value when you leave your comments uh, on our storyline. Again, uh, go to 888 and hit that prompt to leave your story. So the question today, how has intentional living made a difference in your marriage? Maybe in this area of submission and relationship, maybe in some area having to do with your finances or your communication or parenting. Each of these are very important parts of raising a responsible adult and having a godly home and family. So today, very practical. Again, love to have you come on in. If you're new to intentional living, intentional living believes that once we figure out what pleases Christ, as the Bible says, and then do it on a regular basis, our lives are better, God gets the glory, and we get the benefit. So come on in. I'm Dr. Randy. This is Intentional Living. Well, the way that we have made our marriage last 20 years is intentional commitment to our marriage and to our Father above who gave us one another and takes a lot of prayer and dedication and intentional commitment to one another and with God. Hello. Um, To be intentional in my marriage, we have put Christ first in our relationship. We listen to Christian radio together and discuss what we listen to, and we do the Bible study nightlight just before we go to bed at night. Those are ways I am intentional in my marriage. Hi, I'm calling to um, explain how my marriage has gotten better. I'm going to a, a Bible study that is a Titus 2 Bible study where the older women teach the younger women how to love their husbands by respecting them. And it's interesting that uh, we all need to be taught. It doesn't come naturally. My name is Sheila from Phoenix, Arizona. Thank you. Randy Carlson here at the Intentional Living Center, and uh, appreciate your questions, your stories, your comments, as you call 888-1717. All right, well, let's go to Kelly on the line in Georgia today. Kelly, welcome to Intentional Living Center. Hi. Hi, appreciate your call. What's your question today? Well, I've heard it was a strange question, according to um, the guy I called last week. But, um, there are no strange questions. My husband says that I am too submissive, and 
he says that I don't know I guess it's hard for me to explain I want to know if there is a healthy or an unhealthy line of submissiveness and and how can I draw that line basically or step up because he feels that I'm a pushover and I'm afraid I'm with him or I'm in not general my weight. in general he thinks that with yes. other relationships well, you're too passive yeah. is that really what he's saying he thinks you're too passive exactly like yeah. when we first got married being young and and I was I guess I was bucking the horse so to say <laughs> and I had to have the control and then as I learned God laid it on my heart to become more submissive and now majority of the discussions or arguments we get into is well you don't step up to help me make these decisions anymore. Uh, all right. Well, or, let me let me jump in, Kelly, because words matter. You know, the words that we use, when you say, am I too submissive, I can hear ears going up everywhere, you know, because usually people say, well, he, she's not submissive enough. You know, that's what I hear. So we hear, what does this mean? Submissiveness, to me, is not passivity. Submissiveness is not weakness. Um, submissiveness is a decision that we make. We have to be submissive in many relationships in the workplace. There are times under leadership we have to say, I submit to the authorities of those above me. I may not agree with them. I'll pray for them. I may confront them at times and tell them what I think, but I'm submissive, which means I'm not going to be subversive. I'm not going to gossip, and I'm not going to go behind their backs and so on. So I think I would, I would ask your husband for a little clearer definition because I don't think the word I would use would be submissive. I'm wondering if your husband is saying, honey, I love you, but you're too passive. I don't know what you think. I don't know what you feel. You're not contributing to our discussion. You're not telling me what your opinions are, what your thoughts are. And he's asking for you to be more engaged. Maybe he's saying you're just not engaged enough in their marriage and in life. Mm-hmm. And you're too passive. Does that make sense? A little, yes. I, I guess <laughs> I, well, yeah, I guess that would be about right. And how could I? Well, you you know, Kelly, listen, we are who we are. Some people are tend to be more passive. Some people tend to be more assertive. Some people are introverts. Some are extroverts. And I think it's hard to come alongside of a person we love and say, you're not enough. You've got to be something else other than who you are. We've got to accept people for the way they are. But if your husband is asking you to be more engaged in making decisions, we got a budget decision, let's make a decision, or we got to make some decisions with the kids, then yeah, you need to step up because that's part of your responsibility in the marriage. But I don't think we try to redo our personality. Some people are more extroverted. I don't try to tell extroverts to become introverts or vice versa. I don't think you try to tell leaders that Tomorrow they're going to grow up and just be a, you know, they got to, we all have to follow, but that's the way they're wired. And sometimes followers are followers, and they're not going to grow up and be a leader tomorrow. That's just the way we're wired. But within our relationship, Kelly, I would ask your husband to be very specific and say, honey, intentionally, I want to be intentional with this. Give me two or three things that I can do to be more engaged in a way in the marriage that you, that you would like to see me engaged. Then... Of those two or three things or five things, 
you can tell him, hey, these three things I can do, these two things I'm, I'll work on, and this one I can't, I just can't do. But right now, he has a certain set of expectations that he doesn't feel you're measuring up to, and that creates disappointment, and you probably feel that. Mm-hmm. And so I would yeah. just ask him to clarify what those three or four or five things are and then work on those three or four or five things to help in your marriage. But don't try to rebuild Kelly. You are who you are, and uh, he married you, I guess, because he loved you the way you are, I would think. Mm-hmm. That, Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> Does that make sense? It does. I guess it's a balancing act because sometimes you feel like, I feel like, that he's raising, we have three children, I feel like he's raising a fourth one, and I'm like, I'm grown now, and I want to be involved. There you go. Um, But sometimes I guess I'm a little hesitant because when the decision may not go the way he had planned it to or you know it didn't follow through the way he wanted it to and it all falls back on him and (laughs) And then you feel like then you feel like if you're contributing it's going to fall back on you possibly (laughs) you know i think maybe if we're getting real specific about the marriage I think the key here, Kelly, is it's us, not me or him. It's two of us. We're making decisions sometimes together, and it falls back on us. We're in this together. I think very practically, Kelly, you know what you guys could benefit from? You guys would be a great candidate to go to a Christian counselor and just say, hey, we want to learn to communicate, solve problems together, resolve issues. Uh, Not that we have any big major problems, but we just want some skill development on how to relate to each other and uh, lead together in the family and get some strategies put together That'll work for the two of you. And when you do, I think that's a very positive thing. It'll be, uh, frankly, it'll be very intentional. The third question is, what is my one thing for today? And you know I'd get around to one thing because that is really at the core of what we do with intentional living. There are five questions we talk about this month. You just heard an excerpt from one of those on our monthly teaching, our mentoring class that we put together and send out to our members all around the country online, both video and audio every month, a brand new teaching this month, uh, really focusing on these five questions and what the Bible really says about intentional living. Where does all this come together? I put this lesson together very intentionally for you because these five questions that we're going to discuss this month will give you an opportunity maybe to explore some areas of your life and your relationships your priorities that you've never thought about before. So this will be something I hope you'll take, listen to, maybe share it with your family. This would be a great lesson to sit down with your teenagers or young adults and play part of it, stop it, think about it, talk about it, give you an opportunity to stimulate discussion. Be great for Bible studies as well. And so uh, members, watch for it. It'll be coming out to you here mid-month in a little bit as a uh, reminder and a thank you for your support. And for new members, those of you who will come and join us today to be a part of this journey, be a part of intentional living, to make a difference in a world that is so dark and unintentional, thank you for your support. Your monthly support matters. A dollar a day is going to go a long ways impacting people for Christ. But whatever the amount is, we thank you in advance. All you have to do to join us to be on this journey with intentional living is go to theintentionallife.com. That's theintentionallife.com when you're there. You'll see the little donate icon. Click on it. All the information's there. And uh, we want to be able to say thank you. We'll send you this uh, teaching as soon as possible. Again, go to theintentionallife.com and click on that little donate icon. 
Hello, this is Randolph from Georgia. If you will draw a triangle, put God on the top of that triangle where he belongs, and then put you on one corner and your spouse on the other corner. And as you both strive to get closer to God, you will naturally draw closer to each other. Remember, God's to be on the throne, not her or him, but God. We're talking about marriage today, and just a couple comments before we we get back at it with callers. Marriage is one of those relationships that God intended for intimacy and closeness and union, and it requires us being on the same page, sharing the same vision, heading in the same direction. The verse I often quote you here today and on other programs on marriage, how can two walk together unless they be in agreement? And so I pray that Uh, As you hear a program like this today, you'll make it a goal to get on the same page, heading in the same direction. That's intentional in your marriage. You're listening to Intentional Living with your host, Dr. Randy Carlson. Intentional Living is furnished by Parent Talk Incorporated and is made possible by the generous support of listeners just like you. This program is not a substitute for professional counseling, medical, financial, or legal advice. Intentional Living is not intended to be therapy by radio. I'm Randy Carlson. This is the Intentional Living Center, and we always welcome your calls at 888 like Sam on the line in West Virginia today. Sam, welcome to our center. How are you? Good. Appreciate your call. What's your question for me? Well, I had a question for you. Um, me and my wife, we have three kids. We've been married seven years. Uh-huh. And I've got a six-year-old, a four-year-old, and a two-year-old. And uh, we're going to homeschool them and everything like that. But I guess to put it in layman's terms or whatever, my wife, she's just really exhausted because we don't have much help. I mean, we get some help, but not like we'd hope from our parents and stuff. But I think she's more so depressed. Has okay. the feelings and thoughts of, you know, just she's useless and worthless and yeah. has no purpose, things like that. Sure. And, you know, no matter how much I try and encourage her and, Tell her how much I appreciate the sacrifice of her raising our kids and being a stay-at-home mom and wanting to homeschool them and things like that. It's like she hears me, but it doesn't help. So yeah. I'm just kind of wondering, what can I do, or is it something I'm doing wrong? Well, I'm not, it doesn't sound like you're doing anything wrong, Sam. I think any of us know when we get fatigued and tired, we, we don't feel very motivated and we feel down. I know if I miss a few nights of rest and we don't have kids any longer at home, they're raised, I can feel that way. And so just feeling fatigued, just feeling overwhelmed, just feeling like every day's the same picture of the day before without things to look forward to can be pretty draining. And for stay-at-home moms who are you have three kids plus homeschooling, uh, I can imagine she feels pretty overwhelmed. It seems to me, Sam, that you're not going to talk her out of it. You know, I'm with you and I'm for you. That's good. You need to keep speaking those kinds of positive affirmations into her life. But I think if she's feeling depressed, she needs to talk to someone, maybe change your schedule, have some things put in her life that she can start to experience some things that help her feel as a woman, that she has some value and worth. Even though we know she does as a parent, sometimes people need to have just a break and a perspective on things. And then you said something interesting. You said, we didn't get the kind of help we expected. And so, was it her parents or your parents that are not stepping up? Well, it's really both of them. I mean, they do little things, and I always talk to her parents about how exhausted she is, and they'll help some, but, like, my side of the family has eight grandkids, and her side just has my three, so we kind of really hoped at least her side would do more. Mm -hmm. And we'd like to talk to them about it, but, you know, it's 
not in a point where they would need to defend themselves because we love them. We think they do a great job at what they do, but my wife just would like to have more help, like be more involved instead of a once a month thing or, you know mm-hmm. what I mean? Yeah, I do. And she's feeling sort of overwhelmed in terms of every day is like the day before and she's fatigued. Yeah, and she's talked to her mom about it and her mom's just kind of blew it off really and said, well, you know, I was a stay-at-home mom. I know what it's like, but, you know, she's always worked three days a week, so she really don't know what it's like. You know, she's had the help. Yeah. My wife doesn't work. Her job is staying at home and raising the yeah. kids. So. Is your wife kind of hard on herself, though? I mean, does she beat herself up like she feels she should be better or doing more? Oh, um, yeah. Yeah. Yep. Because what happens is you get a person who's either perfectionistic, everything's got to be perfect, or they're hard on themselves, never feeling like they measure up. They just keep running. It's kind of like being on a treadmill. Maybe if I just run a little faster, I'll do better and feel better. And as you know, there's a point of ultimate fatigue where you go flying off the treadmill, and that can happen in life too. Maybe what you could contribute to this thing, Sam, would be the practicality of saying, honey, you're doing a great job. You're overwhelmed. We need to sit down with someone, put a plan together that's going to give you more of a break. And if mom and dad can't help, then we're going to have to get some help in here. Maybe you're going to have to step up and do a little bit more. Maybe you're going to have to be realistic on what you can do and can't do with homeschooling and keeping the house neat and doing all the things that you have to do. I think probably the leadership role you can play is coming alongside of her and helping structure a plan that gives her a little more of a break. But also, if she's feeling depressed, she should probably talk to someone, either get in a support group, talk to her pastor, talk to a counselor, but get some help so she can, you know, get off her own back. She's her own worst enemy, would be my guess, in some of this. Yeah. Is that true? Oh, yeah. Yeah. And so I think it's encouraging her, but remember, when a person doesn't feel worthy of encouragement, or they don't feel like they're measuring up, or they're doing enough, you can't talk them out of it. And sometimes Uh you got to just step in and change the the uh, process or change the system or change what's going on to help her get some of the stress off her back and then help her find somebody to talk to that's what i think you should do there's one thing you can do sam okay i appreciate your call today sam and uh, we'll be praying for you all right thank you all right i'm dr randy carlson with another intentional living minute You've heard me say that we in marriage judge ourselves by our intentions and our spouse by our expectations. This is a huge source of many problems in marriage relationships and frankly in work relationships as well. For an example, sometimes I I like to offer suggestions. That's kind of the way I'm wired. So I can offer a suggestion to my wife, Donna. That's my good intention, right? But her expectation is that maybe I just get in there and do something like do the dishes and not offer a suggestion. And she perceives it with an expectation that it was criticism. Here's a suggestion when you come to communicating with your spouse. Be more concerned about your spouse's expectations than your intentions. And when you do, that's intentional living. Want to be encouraged every day? Get the Intentional Living Minute in your email. Sign up at theintentionallife.com slash minute. And if you would like a a copy of the Intentional Living Minute sent automatically to your email box every day, all you have to do is go to theintentionallife.com slash minute and uh, subscribe to it, and you'll start receiving a brand new 60-second video every morning just to encourage you in your life. And I just want to say, as we're talking about marriage today, we need to learn to forgive one another. 
Without forgiveness, the only kind of memories you're going to have are bitterness, anger, resentment, and unforgiveness. And when I think of the scripture where uh, God reminds us in scripture that we are to forgive one another, as Paul says, just as Christ has forgiven me and you. And it's an amazing thing. And I tell people, if you struggle forgiving a spouse for their lives and for their sin, and even, especially when they're repentant, you think about what God has had to forgive for you. And someday, is it possible that somebody's going to need to forgive you of something in your life? Forgiveness is a powerful part of building the kind of memories for a lifetime. But I would say, remember, there are consequences as well that we would uh, live our lives in a way that would honor Christ. Just a thought coming to my mind. we got people standing by with questions and testimonies. Tell you what, let's um, get to our caller in Arizona. Go right ahead. Hello, my name is Amanda, and I had to file divorce, and I was really trying to make our marriage work. I prayed, and things would get better, and then when things were starting to get better, then, you know, I would slack on praying because I would get busy, and I almost feel like it was pointless just because of there's a lot of baggage in our marriage. Just drug use has happened, and he's always been pretty selfish, and not wanting to help me as a husband, saying that it's not his duty. I need to get some suggestions on what else, because I really don't want a divorce, but it seems like that's the only option. It takes two people to make it work, and I'm the only one ever really putting effort. Thank you. Well, Amanda, I think you really hit the nail on the topic I was just talking about with forgiveness that there are consequences. And uh, forgiving someone doesn't mean that there's not going to be a consequence. And sometimes the consequences are not pleasant. Um, and I don't know your situation. You do. I don't understand. If your husband were on, I'm sure he'd have things to share. But I, I've seen this, Amanda, over and over when people are willing to humble themselves and say, hey, this is no way to live. Uh, I want this marriage to work. I'm going to do what it takes to make this marriage work. And I'm going to humble myself and be the man that I need to be or be the woman I need to be. Uh, I'm not going to allow the baggage of the past or the hurts of the past to keep me captive in the future moving forward. God can do an amazing work in a marriage that's willing to do that. And so I heard you say things like, I pray, and then I stop praying, and then I keep praying, and things get better when I pray, and, and I don't know what to do. It felt like you were trying to carry the whole ball yourself. Can I encourage you, and maybe you've done this, but I encourage you to sit down with your husband and say, Honey, listen, I filed for divorce, but I don't want it. That's not what I intend. That's not what I want, but I don't see any other way out. Um, there's got to be a change. There's got to be a change in our relationship, not only in your life, but in our relationship. I've got to change. You've got to change. We've got to get back to our first love. There's going to be a process of forgiveness, possibly reconciliation. You're correct. It takes two people for a marriage to work. But it begins when two people are willing to humble themselves before God and each other. Uh, that's where the beginning point is in making a marriage work. And I pray that'll be a part of your relationship. Something to talk to your husband about. You're keeping the ball in his court. All right. Uh, let me see here. Let's go to Alabama. We got a uh, testimony or question. Go ahead. Hi, Dr. Randy. I am Sharon in Alabama. And I was listening to your program today. I simply want to say that I commit to praying for my marriage for 30 days. We have been having a very 
strained and difficult marriage for the past several years, and I just decided to commit to prayer, put it in God's hands. Thank you so much. God bless your program. Amen. Thank you, Sharon, for sharing. And if you're a new listener and you wonder what Sharon's talking about, we one of the things we teach here is how we breathe life into our good intentions for our marriage and other areas of our life. And it, one of the steps is to intentionally do one thing for a period of time. And we sort of challenge for 30 days. Something to try to break the old cycle that's not working, the old pattern or habits that are not working, and introduce something new and better. Now, at the end of 30 days, is your husband going to be changed? Maybe, maybe not. But I will tell you this, Sharon, at the end of 30 days, you'll be changed. Your attitude, your clarity of your mind and your thinking, your marriage may not be any better. I don't know what God is going to do in your husband's heart. But I know he can work in your heart. And it's going to give you an opportunity to say, on my half of this equation, before God, I'm choosing to take 30 days to pray for my marriage, for our relationship, and allow God to do something amazing in our work. You know what, Sharon? Call me back in 30 days and let me know what's happened. I'd love to share it with others. Everybody needs to hear how that's going for you. Hi, Dr. Carlson. My name is Tracy. And a couple years ago, I felt like my marriage just unraveling and I needed to do something. I read a book, Life After God's Own Heart, and since then, started um, living an intentional life as being a godly wife. And it changed my marriage where my husband and I um, are coming up on our 20th wedding anniversary and are more in love now than we were when we first got married. And I want to thank you for your broadcast and just encouraging people to live intentional life. Thank you and God bless. Bye. Well, you're welcome and thank you for sharing your story. You know, it, it is a decision. And of course, we say the word intentional a lot and have for many years. And I don't want it to become routine. We hear that word regularly every day. You hear it in conversations on TV, on the radio, between people. And I hope you'll stop as you, every time you hear someone say intentional and think about the power of that word. Because intention is more than just a goal or a good idea. We all have goals and good ideas, but they kind of come and go. But an intention not only is an idea and a goal and a passion and a desire, but it has the energy, the fuel behind it to overcome procrastination and the inertia that can so easily hold us back uh, from living intentionally. And you just heard uh, that caller who shared that story with us basically saying, hey, read a book, woke up to the fact that uh, I want to be intentional and turn that desire and passion and goal into action. And that's what intentional living is, doing that next right one thing. You know, many of us know why we're here. I mean, as Christians, we understand, as we study Scripture, our purpose for being on the planet. But sometimes it's the how to live our lives that becomes difficult. And that's what we try to encourage you to do, because we know it'll bring glory to God and benefit to you in the process. And that's why we're here. I hope today you've heard some things that have encouraged you about marriage. Maybe one thing you could take away to stay focused on in your marriage in the hours and days ahead to really grow that kind of marriage that'll bring glory to God, as we said, and benefit to yourself. Got to run. I want to thank Stephen, our senior producer, uh, Jennifer and Gino and the rest of the team, everybody involved. 
Thanks for being a part of Intentional Living, and especially to our members, your prayers and your regular ongoing financial support allow us to do this every day. Without it, we wouldn't be here. So thank you for standing with us. I'm Dr. Randy. We'll see you next time from Intentional Living.